The Lord be with you. And, and with your spirit. spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory, Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. But fair or not, will I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, then you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Master, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long a time, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else, believe because of the works themselves. Amen, amen, I say to you. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and who will do greater ones than these, because I am going to the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Our friends out at Pella are celebrating the Tulip Time Festival this weekend. Show of hands, who's ever been out to the Pella Tulip Festival? It's a great time, and now that the fog's lifted, if you don't have anything going on later today, you might go out, and I promise I'm not getting commissioned. I always loved the Tulip Festival because in high school, it was the first marching band event of the new year. So we'd get sent out to march in the parade, and there, there were two events, one was in the morning, and one was in the afternoon, which was good news for the kids because it meant they couldn't get us back to school in the meantime. So it unleashed a whole horde of marching band kids on Pella, Iowa for all of Friday. There is a special law, a city ordinance in Pella against picking tulips, right, exactly, which means that if you're a teenage boy, boy you must, it's a rule. So, so we'd make it kind of a game. You'd see who could pick the most tulips before one of us finally got caught. And the goal was, right, obviously to get the most tulips. And then, right, kind of the dare was you were supposed to take then your bundle of, of tulips and give them to a girl from one of the other bands. You can see exactly how successful I was in this game. <laughs> we give flowers to people that we care about to people that we love. 
We bring flowers to the sick, the grieving. We bring flowers when invited to a dinner, perhaps, to show our hosts that we're grateful for the invitation. We mark our homes and our churches and special occasions with altars. We, we, at altars, we bring flowers to say we're sorry or to say get well. Flowers are ubiquitous, and virtually every culture in the world has this custom of taking the flower of a plant and giving it as a kind of an offering to someone else or to a god. The flowers themselves might vary, but the fact of the flower doesn't. And I think there's deep wisdom here. There's ancient magic, like Tolkien would say, because the moment that you've cut the flower from the plant, it starts to die. So every flower is a kind of a sacrifice offered to the one that we give the flower to and on behalf of them. And the flower itself dies so that we can enjoy, at least for a time, its beauty. Why then, May especially, do we offer flowers to the virgin? Flowers of the rarest, blossoms fairest. Some problems can only be solved by working backwards. You ever lose your keys or your glasses, right? You have to work the steps backwards to find what it is you left. Thomas and Philip in today's gospel are, are trying to figure Jesus out, and they don't have the benefit of 2,000 years of church history that we do, having thought about and prayed about and argued over the best way to talk about Jesus. What does he mean when he says, Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father? The, the fancy word for this, we all say it every week, we just blow past it because we don't know what it means, and it's a $10 word, consubstantial. Consubstantial means you have seen me, you've seen the Father. You've heard me, you've heard the Father. It means that Jesus and the Father are so tightly united that to have seen one is to have seen the other. To have heard one is to have heard the other. But this is very confusing, especially for a Jew in the first century. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. So how can he be two? Or better yet, wait a couple weeks, three. <laughs> and so to, to work the problem out, the church had to work backwards, just like in algebra. Solve for x, work the rest of the equation backwards. And when we work the equation of Jesus backwards, where do we wind up? Mary. Mary. This is the reason we Catholics pay so much attention to the Blessed Virgin, because it is from her that we receive him who has made us kin with God. It is from her that we receive him by whom we have been made kin with God, by whom we've been adopted into God's family. Christ truly is our brother in the flesh and truly is the God who made the universe. And because of that, because of this family connection, we now can claim as our mother, she whom he claimed, called, chose to be his mother, Mary. This is important 
Because when the Lord says today, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it's pretty easy to get caught in poetry. Jesus is speaking the language of metaphor or of myth. I don't think he is. I think he's making a much more startling claim, and I think we can make an even more startling claim if we pay close attention to what he has said. St. Augustine notes, he says, everybody gets the truth and the life bit. he made claims like this before. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, what did he tell his sisters? I am the resurrection and the life. And even the pagan philosophers understood that whatever God was, he was the source of life. And that the life that God gives, because it isn't only material, because it's immaterial, has to last forever. They understood that God was eternal truth, that the fact that the universe is intelligible at all, that we can make sense of the things that we see and hear and taste and touch and experience, means there's got to be a reason maker, a reason giver. That is the truth. But what does it mean to say he is the way? This is another one of those weird sayings of Jesus, like, I am the sheepfold or I am the gate. What, what can he possibly mean? Except that his way, the way he chose to live, and the way he chose to die, is the way, and the only way, ultimately, for us to find life. Jesus chose suffering, not to save us from suffering, but to redeem it, to infuse it with potential and with life, so that the things that hold us back or bring us down in the course of our days and weeks and months and years ultimately can work to our benefit. That our greatest handicap can become a kind of superpower and that our suffering itself can save us and help us to save the world. How do we do that? Well, here's the more startling claim. I am the way, the truth, and the life, says the Lord. None can come to the Father but by me. And none can come to the Son apart from the Mother. This is not a slight or a swipe at our Protestant friends, especially if you're going out to see the Dutch Reformed in Pella today. It is simply to recognize there's only one way we get Jesus. He chose. I didn't choose it. Pope didn't choose it. He chose to be born of a human mother. Now, for the Jews, queenship wasn't uh, uh, by marriage. It was by motherhood. Bathsheba is, uh, is Solomon's queen, not one of his 900 wives, right? His mother is his queen. Which is why in the language of Marian piety and devotion, we use this language of queenship to claim her. It's especially important, friends, that we do this May crowning on the weekend that the United Kingdom has a new king and queen. But they will never match up, however good they turn out to be, they will never match up to what we have here. Which is why we in a country that chose not to have a king should never worry about the success of our worldly leaders. We have a queen. We have a king. And we don't need any other. The way to come to Jesus through the hands of his mother 
is probably sitting in your pocket right now. It's so simple. It's so basic. It's so little, it's easy to overlook. And there's a certain kind of piety that pushes against it. It was popular for a long time to say that the rosary is just a leftover devotion from times when people couldn't understand the Mass. It's certainly true, people used to pray the rosary during Mass, and that was not a very good idea. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But, but here's, here's the myth-busting piece, okay? So, so Thomas Aquinas, one of the smartest people who ever lived, could talk Latin as well as anybody, definitely understood the Mass, still said this sucker three times a day. He wasn't poor, he wasn't illiterate, he wasn't unlettered. This isn't just a way for people who otherwise can't get to God by thinking to, to have something to do. This is the regular, ordinary means by which generations on generations on generations of saints have come to love Christ by the hands of his mother. It's not magic, it's not superstitious, it's imminently practical. My granddad had a, a crippled arm. It's twisted back like this, and he was a plumber, which made plumbing kind of tough. He had to do a lot with his teeth. But what he would always do with his bad arm, tucked up underneath somebody's sink or wrapped around the side of a toilet, he'd always be tapping fingers. And I asked him once, Papa, what are you doing? What are you doing that for? I'm praying my rosary, son. What do you think God gave us? Ten fingers and ten toes. It's not the, the beads themselves, though they're helpful to keep track of things, but it's because what we pray over, the words of Scripture, what we pray toward the mysteries of the Lord's life, death, and resurrection are the only means by which our suffering can be redeemed and by which we can hope to be saved. This is the way. This is the way. And above all else, this, this is the way. Because when we come to the altar, we encounter Christ himself. Christ poured out, broken open on the cross, redeeming us in our own midst, saving us by the sacrifice which he invites us to offer and the fruits which he offers us as agents for changing the world. So today... It is right and good and a joyful thing that we should crown Mary as our queen because whenever and wherever Mary is claimed as queen, in our homes, in our houses, in our businesses, and in our hearts, there and there alone can Jesus reign as Christ, our risen King.